Anna van der Bregen rides in for 2018 Tour of Flanders victory. What a sensational ride. Well deserved. Just enjoying the moment. This is about uh, imposing your will on everybody else and turn to bridges to them. He weaves his way through like a golden thread on a tapestry. He has gone here. This is absolutely brilliant. He's powering away and that's a heartbreaker for those who've been up the road for so, so long. That's uh, Langeval just starting to uh, feel every single pedal stroke right now. And Terpstra, this is his big move, potentially the move of the race. And everyone else must realize this. Their teams, of course, will tell them on the radio exactly what's happening up front. 18 from home. Terpstra can make this stick, but will he? But this is Nicky Terpstra from Quickstep Floors hugging the Hornings right now. He wants to bring this one at home. Uh, can Mads Pedersen hold on for second place with a charging Valgren just behind him? This is a remarkable effort by the Great Dane. But right now we're, we're going to fake a great Dutchman. Here he comes. Nicky Pedersen is going to bring it home. 100 metres now. That's all he's got uh, to make sure this belongs to him. Drifts to the centre of the road, which is where you celebrate most effectively. Everybody take a look at this man. He has delivered. Nicky Terpstra, absolutely supreme. The first Dutchman for 32 years since Andre van der Poel back in 1986. He has made it. And so has this man. It gives me great pleasure to say second place on the day. Matt Pedersen, absolutely superb. Episode 51 of Between Two Wheels podcast. Cycling news, commentary, analysis, and interviews from Northern California. This episode is brought to you by Health IQ, an insurance company that helps health conscious people get special life insurance rates. Go to healthiq.com slash BTW to support the show and learn more. And as always, subscribe and share the show via iTunes, Stitcher, Podbeam, whatever podcast service you use. This week, we are not going to be on YouTube because it's just going to be too much for us to handle. And interact with us on our Facebook page by searching Between Two Wheels, and the links will be in the show notes and found in the description of the feed. Welcome to this week's episode. Uh, I'm Tyler Yonke, one of your hosts. Chris Flower has joined me again. Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing great, and it sounds like I'm doing a little better than Kurt, who's uh, under the weather again, unfortunately. Hopefully, he's resting up and feeling better. Yeah, we finally got confirmation that he's uh, alive, because he's been uh, kind of skipping out on some of our group text, but uh, get well, get better. Um, any any bike-related uh, activities for you this week? Uh, for this week... Um during the, the actual week, uh, I jumped in a couple group rides, and this weekend we had some, some rain, so I've been kind of kind of avoiding the bike as best I can. I might try and get out this afternoon if the uh, the sun continues to dry out the roads. We'll see how that plays out, though. Yeah, yeah. so we're, we're sitting outside. You're going to hear some uh, traffic here, but this is kind of just what we do on a weekend when we're not going to be in the office. We're out at a place, and we've picked a place right on Highway 50 in a median, it, it appears, so... <laughs> All right, let's tease this one up. So here's some items we're going to discuss. Coming up, uh, both men's and women's Flanders races ended with uh, solo breakaways. We got Pies Vasco uh, takes a quick step towards the French. And can anybody beat quick step in this week's Sunday's uh, Perry robay Locally, we'll dive into the NorCal racing calendar and including the Copperopolis debrief. I look forward to the upcoming races that matter and things that uh, started to take shape with the bar back competition. We'll try to break those down. And again, we remind you of some of the races coming up on the NorCal calendar, the World Tour races, group rides, and whatever is set to come online near you. 
There's plenty, I'm sure. There's plenty. All right, let's take let's take a look. So we had last week. Uh, let me make a, a first tour of Flanders, Rondé van de Vlaarden. I made some comments about Dutch and Flemish. I did a little bit more research into this, and my, my comment was, how could they have a Dutch name with a Flemish only? Okay, so I've always heard there's uh, Wallonia and French. I'm sorry, the French portion. Um, and then uh, the Flemish portion of Belgium, and they speak Flemish there. They speak French. Well, evidently, Flemish is just kind of a, a mix of Dutch. So Dutch is, is one of the languages of Flanders, of Belgium. So That's a good correction, and it's good that we can learn about cycling and different cultures on the show. Yeah, and we, we threw a little Nazi reference in there last time as yeah. well. So anyway, it appears that uh, I, I prefer the Belgian to create their own language and uh, move away from the Dutch. Speaking of the Dutch, though... That's exactly who we had as a winner. Nikki Terpsta comes out and throws the gauntlet down uh, quite a ways out from the finish. Solos up to, well, he goes out with Nibbly. Uh, well, I think Nibbly jumped. Yeah. And then Terpstra jumped across to him. And it was pretty evident that Nibbly used whatever matches he had left to make that little jump. Because I think Terpstra tried to encourage him to take a pull and it just wasn't happening. And Terpstra just said, oh, fine. I'm going solo. Yeah, then he bridges up to uh, Mads Pedersen. Uh, who else was up there in the front? Langevelda or something? Yeah, and then I don't remember who the third rider was. And then just blows through them on the climb um, and continues through, and then he's gone solo. Right, yeah. And Pedersen did a good job kind of maintaining the gap. It looked like he was doing all he could to try and claw back up to Terpstra, but he, he just couldn't uh, connect the dots there, unfortunately. Yeah, it was a pretty impressive. So then you had a group behind chasing, never pulling it back. I mean, Quickstep was just dominating with the team presence, and Gilbert ends up getting uh, kind of a little sprint away for third place, and then Van Avermont, I think he got, what, sixth? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I heard him say in an interview afterwards that he was about the best he could hope for. He just didn't have legs for it today. Right. Quickly though, on the Nibbly thing. So Nibbly makes a little presence. He's in there fairly late. Um, he does a little move, which Terpsta goes up to. And I'm watching this on the broadcast, and Terpsta looks behind him and kind of does a little thing. And the broadcaster's like, hey, he just spit at Nibbly. And they're cracking jokes about it. So Nibbly's on his kind of a little bit on his left. Terpsta's winging him to come through. He's not coming through. So he turns back towards his left to apparently spit at Nibbly. And Nibbly, at the same time, veers over to the right side of his wheel, so he doesn't even notice that this is happening. What do you think of uh, spitting at your com- your competitors for not taking a pole in a, in a race where you don't expect Nibbly to really be helping you anyway? Uh, and was that actually a spit? I, I saw it happen live. I couldn't tell if it was an intentional spit or not. Um, I think if it had hit Nibbly, he's, he's definitely not one to shy away from being vocal about race action, but... Uh, yeah, definitely not a cool move by any means. And from what I recall, uh, Terpsen may have done this in the past as well, so I don't think he's he's the most favorite guy out there for, for some other riders. I was listening to the cycling podcast, and Daniel Friba, uh, that's how they pronounce it, Friba, um, recalled an article from several years ago in LA Keep of all these riders with their comments about Terpsta. And even Boonen said he was the his least least favorite rider in the peloton. Now, he was with a different team at the time. Uh, uh, all these kinds of things, even the, his own managers was like, you know, he may have some weird, you know, um, his character, da, 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 but he, you know, at least he rides the bike well. So it sounds like he's just known for being an asshole. Oh, that's, that's Which unfortunate. Go- 
Is it? I don't know. Is it? I, I mean, he still gets results. So I'm sure at the yeah. end of the day, they're like, yeah, we love having him on the team. Yeah. So when Just he's on your, with us. yeah, he's he's one of those guys. You know, you've got your football team. You hate this guy until he's you now he's on your team and you love him. Right. Sherman on uh, Seattle or something like that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so that was an interesting thing to say. But he he was a giant engine and obviously did well. Uh, there was a big crash in that race as well. Did you see uh, any remnants of that? Or I didn't. No, I, I saw it on the note here, and I don't recall having seen that. I, I tuned in at about sixty k to go. Yeah, you might have missed it then. I, I didn't. I only saw the highlights from that, and it looked pretty nasty. Uh, I don't know if anybody really got too injured from there. Uh, Luke Rowe got DQ'd. He had been. We talked about him last year, actually. Stag party jumped in the water, right. broke his leg in like twenty some different places. He's come back. He's all excited to do Flanders. Um, and then they, they DQ'd him for going off of the road, which is a rule. But we just, we just, I'm trying to remember, was it E3 or one of those that uh, Sagan did that and everyone's all giddy about, oh, look how he jumps the median. He's so good at all these things. And then, you know, Luke Rowe in the back somewhere gets DQ'd for doing the same. You, you saw a little breakdown of that and understand. Yeah, I saw kind of a, a recap of the race and. Um, it was how the race was won, how the race was won by cyclocosm and and basically they indicated that in that area in a race in the past uh, guys are right on the curb hit a spectator and ended up killing one of the spectators so I think it's an area where the officials probably have an elevated sense of sensitivity to it and we're probably not offering much leash as it pertained to, to punishment there so uh, I think Luke Rowe wasn't necessarily looking to gain an advantage there. It was kind of a, a pinching point. So he was just trying to fan out and maybe avoid riding into the back of somebody and ended up on the curb. Things happen, but, um, I mean, yeah, them's the brakes, unfortunately. They are, but uh, then there's the fair enforcement of the rules, which I just kind of pointed out the second thing. Um, I was also listening to a BBC broadcast uh, podcast, and they were talking about there's a rule about taking off your helmet now. Right. You can't take off the helmet, and if you do, you need to actually put your foot down. So there was multiple times where guys in the front were taking off their helmet, taking their hats off, and putting their helmet back on. Now, okay, it's still a rule. There's no fair enforcement, and you have Luke Rowe. Now, there's a lot of English speaking, like we are, obviously. Some of these podcasts have referenced. So there's a lot of love for Luke Rowe coming back from an injury. So there's a little bit of heightened uh, sensitivity to him being DQ'd. But what do you think about just fairness of, of enforcing rules all the way around? Uh, yeah, I think it's something where if you're you're going to apply it to, to Luke Rowe, you should probably be willing to apply it to everybody else. I guess maybe Sagan gets a pass because of who he is. So he's he's allowed to, to jump curves because it's a little bit of a spectacle. Um, with the helmets, uh, yeah, I was watching guys kind of take off their helmets, take off hats from underneath and whatnot. And it's it's something where it's, it's definitely a safety issue. And if they're going to make it a rule enforce the rule i mean it's it was as visible as can be uh, it's just something where i think the officials were turning a blind blind eye to it and and see that to me i would rather have them call you on a sticky bottle than that helmet thing because those guys are their intention is not to it's their own doing i mean if right. they take their helmet off they're not going to injure someone else it's going to be cracking their own skull and you know so be it you you, you did what you did and you, you reap the consequences sticky bottles are a little uh, advantageous to the race yeah anyway that's what it did you enjoy the race i did yeah um i didn't i didn't because it there was a kind of a point where you can tell terpster wasn't being brought back and the chase was kind of lackluster and whether that came down to people not wanting to take sagan to the line or maybe the group was just really at their limit and quick step did a great job of shutting it down it was it was one where you kind of maybe wanted a little bit more 
action in the last 20k or so, but it was it was just shut down early. Um, I, I tend to think that it wasn't so much guys not wanting to take Sagan to the line as much as it was guys were just they were done. I mean, they were they were fried. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, what do you what do you think of the fact of like Sagan? Uh, or Greg Van Avermaet not being able to have much of a team. or did, I mean, they had riders up there. And I did hear, you know, look, uh, Daniel Oss, I think now is with Bora. Yeah. And I saw him doing a lot of work. And then you get, though, Sagan just doesn't have him in that crucial moment. Right. And uh, there's a, they're inundated by quick step riders. So then people say, oh, you know, Sagan's let down by his team. I don't know that he's let down by his team. Uh, I, I don't think it's so much that he was let down by his team. I don't think they used what guys they had available as wisely as they could because there were periods of time where Oss was just sitting on the front probably running a hard tempo but what's the point you know they either chase back the guy up the road or, or get off the front and I think you know Sagan made that late effort with what 10-15k to go where he tried to get across solo it's like if he had that much in the tank he probably should have jumped when Terpster went. You know if Terpster's going up the road, I mean, that that's the move. And if you've got energy to, to make that big effort later, you, you probably would have been better served to have followed Terpstra. If you bring everybody with you, oh, so be it, but you're not letting the race get away from you. Yeah, and, and we're going to remind me, because we're going to talk a little bit about this later, about Boonin's comments, um, unless you want to talk about it now. Yeah, we can talk about it now. Okay, so... Which one? Well, so, yes. So here's <laughs> my thing. He said... Uh, so. Sagan was whining a little bit, right? Saying that people were kind of racing negative and other teams need to not just worry about him. But And so Boonen comes out and says he needs to shut his mouth. Right. Then I just read this morning where Boonen, nice truck, where Boonen says, um, oh, they asked him about Cancelera winning uh, Perry Robay, you know, when he was second and the motor issue. And he's like, well, you know, we weren't able to check the motor at the time. It's a little too late now. And he really threw speculation. So should he shut up too? I mean, is it okay for him to tell an active rider you need to shut up and, and not talk? And then he himself? What do you think of, of those two? I didn't hear the, the motor comment. I, I didn't check out the news this morning. Uh, for the Sagan thing, I think his comment is probably a little more brash than it would be because they are friends. So I think he's probably got a different level of comfort than some riders do where he can say, oh, Sagan should shut up because they're buddies. They'll probably exchange text or something later. But did you see what he said about him shutting up? He said, um, Sagan doesn't, he, he oftentimes just sits on wheels. Okay, right. this is what he said. He just sits on wheels and then he'll come and do kind of a, a show pull and then yeah. wave his arms. Do you believe that's true? After I, all the times we've seen Sagan taking people to the line and still beating them in sprints. I would say it's not necessarily true. I, in this race, it definitely appeared to be the case. Um and I think for Sagan, he's got to realize that, you know, yeah, he doesn't need to take everybody to the line, but not everybody's going to be willing to take Sagan to the line. Oh, totally. I mean, it's, it works both ways. So Avermet can complain that, oh, well, I, I didn't work because I wasn't going to take Sagan to the line. And Sagan can complain, so I wasn't going to work, so I'm going to take Van Avermet to the line. It's, well, then you both lose. Now, and then think of someone like uh, Seth Van Mark, who's not going to probably beat uh, Van Avermet or Sagan in a sprint. Right. He's not going to want to take either one of those to the line. So he's that's not. not, that's not, he's, then what's the purpose, yeah. you know? So, and, and honestly, you've seen this, we talked about this last time with Sagan's ability to beat people in long races in sprints. Why doesn't he take them to the line? I mean, that's really yeah. his responsibility, I think, as a sprinter in that sense. Right. Definitely. And being the world champion, so he I mean, he's, shut up. he's got a little additional responsibility on his shoulders. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. I mean, it, 
in the moment, I'm sure everybody was doing whatever they thought they could to best benefit themselves. Yeah. I imagine a lot of guys were just at their limit as well. Uh, any takeaways from that race that you have in your mind? God, Terpster's a fit guy. And yeah. he just, I mean, Nibali's a fit guy. He just crushed Milan San Remo, what, two, three weeks ago? Yeah. And for Terpster just to ride away from him, like he was, you know, just, it was impressive. It it's, was. And, you know, we had talked about different types of riders uh, being able to ride well. And Terpster was definitely one of those bigger motors, sit yeah. down power. And I don't know what it, you know, Nibali. Uh, he just pulled out a Pais Vasco with a big bad saddle sore. Right, I saw that. So I don't know if that was leading up to. Anyway, I don't. I don't know what to say about that. His fitness from Milan going to you know kind of dwindling from, but he got ridden off. He did. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. And Terpster's a big guy where you think Nibali would be able to kind of sit in the draft for a little bit and maybe recover and and contribute, but no, he just. It's hard to right when you're getting spit at. That's true. You're trying to dodge that spit. Uh, the women's round we had uh, and. A, Anna Vanderbregen of Bulls Dolman cycling team. She took a convincing win, having just under two minute advantage with about five K to go, and then held on to win by a minute eight over Amy Peters, uh, her Bulls Dolman teammate. And then in third, we had Anna Meek Van Vluten of the Mitchelton Scott women's team coming in with the group there. Uh, I didn't see many highlights of that. I, I did watch a bit of it, and um, as far as the, the replay goes, and Anna Vanderbregen was solo for a long time I and mean, yeah. she had this huge gap you know coming in the last 500 meters she's sitting up she could have pushed her bike over the line maybe uh, walk it across yeah, like uh has been done in the past yeah done a bike spike like horner did yeah. way back when so it was very impressive for her uh too bad we didn't see corn rivera take a, a repeat there but um i didn't even see how she finished uh i didn't either i just uh, i saw a couple comments from her where she just said you know she wasn't feeling great and with Vandenbergen riding away, there's there's not much you could do. She definitely was the uh, the powerhouse of the day. Yeah, it was impressive. Uh, then they had the midweek uh, midweek classic, the Skill de Priest, and kind of the Pairo Bay prep race. It's 200 kilometers. Uh, this edition, I mean, it was just another chance for Quick Step to to show their competition, how make fun of them. Kind of in guess, 2008. Well, this one's like 18. the the Sprinters Classic, right? This is the Sprinters yeah. Cobble Classic. This is the Marcel Cattell Special. Um, he didn't have a great finish himself, but there was some controversy in this race as well. It doesn't seem to be a race these days without something. Well, let me just say who this. won. Fabio yeah, yeah. Jacobson, uh, or Jakobsen maybe of the Netherlands. Probably. Quick step, of course, won. Yeah. So now I saw the last, literally I tuned in, saw the last like 1K and then the feed kicked out about 400 meters <laughs> to go. So I didn't see it. And then I looked back and saw who had won, but I'm like, who is this guy? Right. So Tell us, tell us what happened and why he's he's the winner. Yeah, so it looks like there was some early activity in the race, um, a few moves, some splits in the field. And at one point, there was two distinct groups in the field with about a 10 to 15 second gap between them. And we'll say Group A was coming up to a rail crossing, and they were able to get through. And in between those 10 and 15 seconds between Group A and Group B, the, the gates started to come down for the rail crossing. Uh-oh. And a handful of guys in the second group were able to skirt through a handful of guys from the second group started to skirt through when the the rail crossing was coming down which is a big no-no and what ended up happening was everybody in that second group ended up getting disqualified whether they were necessarily trying to cross or not and a lot of folks were were pretty irked about that because you know they were following the rules and this comes down to our earlier discussion about wait so i'm Confused. So guys that didn't go through yes. got DQ'd? Yes. 
because they were in the group of, with people that were going through. So I think instead of trying to sort everybody out, they just said, no, nope, you guys are all done. Okay, that's bullshit. Yeah. So does that is that go on to finish finish your thought, and then I'm going to ask you about Gronawagen. Was he one of A or B in that uh, in that mess? Uh, I do not know. Uh, I just know he was pretty irate at the end of it. Um, his comment was, you know, I'm not coming back this race ever again because this is bogus. Well, now if he's one of the people that sat up and didn't go through, didn't break the rule, and right. did exactly what you're supposed to, and he gets DQ'd too, I'd be pissed off for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, with that all kind of said and done, it was looking like a really good opportunity for, for Kittle to win because all of his sprint competitors were out of the picture. Yeah. Uh, so with 10K to go, um, he was kind of at the back of the pack. And then I think with 5 or 3K to go, he ended up getting a flat, uh, got back on the bike, and it was just uh, too little too late to, to chase back on and contend. So it ended up coming down to just a really, really reduced field sprint uh, in which Jakobsen won. Is there is there any way to beat um, Quick Step right now? Jeez, uh, I mean they didn't even have their. I don't think they were targeting the race for Jakobsen because I think he just happened to be the guy who was in the train at the time and went for it. Uh, so yeah, I mean even their their not top guys are are taking the win. So it, it's they're definitely the team to beat right now. So. And and when I say that because they're just they're on fire. When we even go, we're going to talk about Pies Vasco, the Basque Country uh, stage race that just finished this morning. And of six stages, you had Quickstep winning three of them. Oh wow! Yeah. So uh, well, we'll start right there. So stage one and stage two are won by uh, Julien Alaphilippe. So he's French. Uh, he takes the yellow jersey on stage one. He wins it over um, Primus Roglic of Lotto Jumbo. And then he ends up kind of a repeat, little punchy finish. He's that kind of Valverde style, and he ends up winning stage two in a sprint over Primus Roglic again. So he's in the yellow jersey. Uh, stage three is a little bit of a, a not as it's more rolly, and it has a sprint finish. And um, there's hardly any sprinters there. Jay McCarthy, uh, Bora Hansgro, ends up getting the win. Uh, so one, two, and three, still no Spanish riders. This is a very Basque country, yeah. you know, oriented stage race. A lot of climbing, and those guys love to take it. So going into the time trial on stage four, Julian Alaphilippe has the, has the yellow jersey. And he ends up, and, and you know, I'm watching this, and I'm seeing all the guys coming through, and Roglic is going to be one of the last guys. And you just know he's going to be able to put in a good time. And this guy is right. quite the time trawler. And he's been impressive with the little punchy climbs as well. So stage four, you got the ITT. And so they got, it's kind of interesting how this race is so climby, and then the state, the, the the time trial itself was so pan flat. So you have a pan flat time trial with uh, basically climbing guys getting to duke it out. Yeah. On a flat uh, time trial. How it, long was the time trial? Um, I, I don't think it was particularly long, right? No, I'm nineteen point four k. Yeah, and then Roglic still put two minutes on his nearest competitor. Is that right? Well, he no, he won uh, the time trial. Uh, like, I want to say like 40 seconds over oh, okay. Alaphilippe or so, because Alaphilippe then is in second by 34, 34 seconds, so just yeah. around there. And then um, he had another 108 over Baca Molimore. And so going into stage five, so stage five and six were both climbing, and uh, Alaphilippe basically lost two-plus minutes or so on the climb. Um, it had a bunch of steep ones, and Roglic was able to stay with the group, and he did just fine. Uh, last 20k were all downhill, so they had a climb going up there. And then uh, Omar, oh, that's right, Omar Fraley of Astana uh, had been in a break, and he and uh, 
this other uh, Mitchell and Scott writer were jawing at each other, like pushing and oh really? Like they were going to be in a fight, and then Fraley ends up winning. Um, but uh, Julian Alaphilippe gets dropped. He loses like two fifty five. Roglic ends up uh, getting second again, so he's got three second places on the on the the week, and um, has a pretty sizable lead over everybody going into today's race. Now today's stage six was pretty pretty interesting. It was only one hundred twenty two kilometers. Um, and it started the first categorized climb finished at 6.2 K into the race. Yeah. And it was like a three kilometer climb. So you're basically from the gun having a, a big climb. Uh, and then you've got, uh, eight categorized climbs. You got a cat three, a cat three, a cat three, a two, a one, a three, and a finish on a one that was just really steep. Um, and then the last two K were kind of a downhill little thing. So you go into today and Roglic ends up crashing in the first five kilometers. Oh, wow. So he, he basically then wastes his whole team trying to get him back up to the group. And I think he didn't get back up to like 60K to go. His team's decimated. The field is kind of mellowed out. And the breakaway was established. Uh, then you end up on Rick Mass um, with the Gint and a few other guys in a break. And as they hit the final climb, uh, Enric Mass takes off. He's a Spanish quick right. step rider. He ends up holding on the lead about the same distance he had from the start. Well, actually, he finished. He got 12 seconds up on Landa, who ended up coming out of the group. Uh, Roglic had been suffering and a lot of work in the day, and he ends up, he's, you know, had almost two minutes, but he ends up only losing uh, 40 seconds, 40 or so seconds to um, Landa. So he ends up and retains the overall. So pretty impressive for him in that race. Um, you did not be able to participate in viewing any of that, right? I only saw little bits and pieces. Um, I really took it upon myself to look at all the time trial positions of the guys just because I, uh, I appreciate that art. So there were some guys with some really uh, impressive time trial positions, but I didn't catch much of the race, unfortunately. So interesting to me is there was uh, really, I think Kuikowski was there, but really nothing from that Team Sky. Right. You had one Spanish winner, which was today. Um, Enric Mas, he's from Spain and he, he got his win. So one Spanish winner, uh, quick step takes three of those stages. Uh, Roglic, uh, you know, his team helped him out today, but he, for the last two days, he got isolated in the last 60 K right. without anybody. And he ends up pulling that out. So, um, obviously a time trial. I don't know what his potential is for big tours. You know, this is a, a six, seven day stage race. Like we see Alaphilippe competing. These are much different than grand tours. Yeah, and it seems like in the Grand Tours, they really stack the the big climbing stages back to back to back. And maybe Roglic or Alaphilippe or Kwiatkowski can do two of them in a row. But when you start stacking them up, I think that's when they, they've got to give way to the Frooms or the ne- uh, not Nibali, uh but yeah, Nibali or Nairo Quintana, those those guys that are just pure climbers. Yeah, and, and once again, you've got... Uh, it's funny. I was listening to, I don't know why I was doing this, but I, I punished myself. Lance Armstrong's podcast about yeah. Flanders, and he was talking about uh, their dominance, you know, and he, then he makes the comment, yeah, you know, but this team is really, they're poised for the classics, right? And then right. You, you get a race, you know, the, the he said specifically the Vuelta or the Giro, and, and they're nowhere to be seen. Well, that's not really true. Um, Alaphilippe, uh, well, actually, last year, didn't De La Cruz uh, that was with them, I believe he got third? Sounds right, yeah. yeah. Or somewhere around there in the Vuelta. So they, they have some presence. And um, Enric Moss, I think, had some good showing in the Tour of Spain as well. Now, granted, they're mostly a team for that. But right. it's kind of they almost have 30 wins. I mean, that's impressive for the season. Yeah. It's disgusting. So now, just to kind of backtrack 
to, to Skeldapri, I was doing a little bit of background um, reading here while you were talking about the, the stage race there. So it looks like with the, the rail crossing incident, the um, one group got through before the, the rail crossing started to come down. And as the second group was just entering uh, the rail crossing area, the the barricade started to come down. So there's really not much you can do in that situation. Yeah, They're coming down. Uh, but those those are the guys that got disqualified. Okay. So it was kind of like a you can't stop and go backward. Um, so you're just victim of circumstance, I guess. It seems like that's what kind of uh, upset everybody is, you know, we're already in that region. We, we can't stop. So Now, anyway. we might need to do some research on their crossing because yeah, I think over here in the States, you get like you start to see the, the bells and whistles are the bells and uh, and the lights kind of flash right before the the things start to come down? So, right. is that something you're, that's happening as they're in the crossing? Is it happening beforehand? Is there giving any warning that the the things are going to go down? I don't know. That's a tough one. It's a toughie. Um, yeah, definitely uh, an interesting application of the rules. But all right, uh, any winners and losers from the World Tour stuff that we've had, just had in the last few weeks? Is it fair to pick Quick Step? Sure. <laughs> as, a as, as a loser, that's a little odd. Uh, no, they, yeah, like you pointed out, they're just the absolute dominant team right now. Uh, they've got a couple more of the, their target races, I'm sure, coming up. So we'll see if they can't uh, keep that track going. So you got them. I, I'm picking uh, Primus Rojlik. Rojlik, easy for me to say, right? Uh, as, a, as a winner, he he, uh, with the ability to time trial and then stay on top with the climb, and and then today to see him go down. And see him physically go down, and then see him you know, not go after these guys, and they're attacking. You got Cantana and Landa, two stellar guys attacking out of the group, and he just lets him go and just kind of does his own pace. It's pretty impressive. I don't know what his, like I said, I don't know what his possibilities are going forward, but uh, he's definitely a winner. How about a loser? It's always such a strong word, loser. Um, I like it though. It's it's a good. Should choice. we do something really dumb like the big ring and the little ring and oh, the, yes. like some? Who's cross-chained? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would go with Sagan. It, it seems like, you know, he he didn't come out in a great light after Flanders. And in my opinion, he, he kind of missed the boat a little on his opportunity to win there. And we'll see how he rebounds uh, tomorrow at, at Perubay. It's hard to pick a loser, uh, but I'm going to pick uh, Boonen for sticking his nose into it. Um, I just didn't see the context of that. Was he asked, or did he just kind of go on a show and start volunteering all of his thoughts? Or yeah, I think it's due to the fact that Flanders and uh, Robay are coming up, so he's getting some press interest. You know, okay. people are asking him questions, and they asked him about the motor thing. Sure. And then they asked him, you know, he's—I don't know about the other, but uh, yeah, it just kind of—it it reminds me of these kind of when you have people in the spotlight or politicians are kind of out of it and then they they like to chime in all the time you're like eh, your time was over yeah i'm not really interested in your point right. of view but he's he's obviously everyone's interested in point of view because he won those races a bunch how about things that make you go hmm, hmm. uh premise i'm gonna i'm gonna say this so i was interested i'm like oh they keep talking about Roglic being a former ski jumper. I remember last year in the Tour de France, they were talking about that. So I'm like, and then he crashed and it changed his career. So let's see if we can find this. So I don't even remember growing up, for me, there was Wide World of Sports and they had, you know, the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat, and it right. showed this guy coming down for a ski jump and then falling all over the start house, or the, the jump house and kind of, you know, crashing over. And Jim McKay, you know, in his voice talking about this. Um, so I'm looking up and I find the video of him jumping, the one that like I guess ruined his career. Primo. He, 
Primas. Okay. Yeah. You should see this thing. It is the most treacherous. Th- I mean, it makes the other look like my grandma just falling off, uh, you know, the, uh, sitting down uh, on her skis or something like this because he's in fully in the air on a ski jump. He's like midair. He starts to tip over the front of his skis. Oh, no. He like dips down and then he crashes and then those skis are still stuck to him. You know, they're not like quick release type uh, ski bindings that we typically have. Yeah. And they, he starts tumbling and turning, and those skis are still <laughs> attached. It is brutal. It's it's uh it's pretty intense actually. I could see. Well, I'd be curious to know what his thoughts are. I mean, it's always tough to go up and talk to somebody about crashes. I'd be curious to know what was a more painful crash, that or his his worst cycling crash thus far. I mean, it, which, oh, you don't know which one that is. No, I don't know which one it is, but it just seems like well. He's not changing sport to something where injury is is no all that uncommon. So no, it might have been, an, and I need to probably research more. But maybe uh, the injury was such that he just got into um, uh, who knows? Maybe he didn't like hurtling, you know, hundreds of feet in, in the air anymore. Uh, it was pretty, you know, I, I I had that in mind just exactly what you said. Watching him in the race going downhill and you know some wet descents, and he did fine. I mean, hmm. he was he was not didn't seem to be too scared. But I don't know. Do you have any? Uh, uh, I, I'm just I'll be interested to see how how Lotto plays uh, Perry Roubaix tomorrow with Bonin on on staff as a special consultant to them. Um, I, they definitely seem to be a little shorthanded, um, not leading too much into the Perry Roubaix preview. But I don't think Benut's racing. Um, Correct. Greipel's injured. Uh, I, it seems like he's a, a a special advisor to a team that doesn't necessarily have a targeted leader. So. Be curious to see how it shakes out for them, if they can maximize what they've got. You mentioned here, you just wrote this on here, and I'm just kind of also works to clear Froome's name. What, what are you talking about in there? So he came out, uh, again, offering an opinion. He he basically said, you know, Sabirmal, that shouldn't be a problem. Uh, that's not a big deal at all. Uh, everybody needs it if they've got asthma. So he seemed to be offering some comments that um, that defends Froome's uh, adverse analytical finding. Um I don't know how much context he's read into it to, to understand the values and the likelihood of those values coming from an inhaler versus some other delivery method. I'm not sure, but he, he seemed to offer some opinion that salbutamol, eh, it's not a big deal. Yeah, well, maybe maybe I'll have to look back. Did Froome defend him on his two times he was snorting coke and got caught with doing that at a competition? I think back then Froome was still a club racer. He hadn't... Uh, Catapulted to a so, world tour status. So Boonin's not a doctor, of course. He he did get caught like doing more lines than, uh, <laughs> and, and and he's gonna be the uh, whatever. Uh, okay, so that's good. Uh, and not that <laughs> I just odd person to come out and and make those kind of statements. I guess I imagine that he probably hasn't been in front of a mic in a while, and you had somebody <laughs> just going through the battery of what's new in cycling with him. Just what do you think about Froome? What do you think about uh, Sagan? What do you think about anything? So he was probably just lightning responses, and I don't know if he he presented the topics or if he had an opportunity to really research them, but he certainly uh, gave his piece. I have seen on some of these, too, well, I've been told that you know they'll give an interview in one language, and then it's translated to another, and some of the context, some of the wording is just... You know, one word may mean a little bit different, you know, a little more harsh in one language than the other. Right. That's true. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. what. what is that? All right. Let's talk about Perry Bay real quick. 257 kilometers, 29 cobbled sections. Uh, cobbles don't start till almost the 100 kilometer mark at 93.5. And it's uh, one of the biggest sectors. 
It's the, uh, the basically the tranche of Arenberg that comes at 162 kilometers in. It's about halfway in at all the sectors, and it lasts for 2.4 kilometers. That's the one. It's forested, um, and there's been some bad weather there lately. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, some of these sectors are out in the middle of the field, and they have chance to dry. But you get the forest. That one may be really bad. Anyway, yeah, th- and that's the one where I think you know, like I said, that's that's the big first cobbled sector, and guys go full sprint to try and be one of the first wheels into that so it's a always a an interesting real start to the race where that's you see, see some crazy action going into it and there's been some terrible crashes through that section as yeah well. they've broken bikes femurs faces faces uh, bodies yeah. spectators right. and, and you have them all lined up on the side there uh, the spectators or you know uh, mechanics and stuff kind of in that whole section right. sector it's really nasty uh, and then it finishes in the Robe Velodrome, as we know. Um, they do about a lap and a half or so, a little banked thing. So, you know, and it's always funny. You get through all this sector stuff, and they're talking about, you know, people with cyclocross, you know, skills. And then they come into the Velodrome, and it's, this guy did uh, did track racing as a junior. I think right. it's, uh, yeah. Matt so, Heyman using those skills that he had from 15 years old yeah and you're like yeah. I, they might have been jiggled out of him over the cobbles right so do you know anything about the weather have you checked uh so it's uh i mean it covers a lot of ground so i i just kind of looked in and around the roubaix area and it looks like it's going to be you know not a lot of rain day of the race it's going to be cloudy with some sun peeking through here and there so it looks like you know the weather should be decent but like i said there's there's going to be some rain that's come through over the past few days so there's potential for some some mucky stretches of cobbles some some puddles and some slick areas so that it should be dry for weather but the the ground surface could be pretty slippery yeah so it 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 should be a fun one we haven't had bad bad like good old-fashioned uh you know johan museo weather type right for quite some time with the mud caked faces and such yeah that was what 15 years ago yeah it's like been that. a while it's you know the worst we've seen uh, lately is uh, strada bianca where they had you know the dirt and stuff all over their faces yeah we haven't seen that uh, in perry robay for quite some time right right uh so who who's on form and who do you think we should watch out for quick step team now i i'm kind of torn on that so i'd be curious to see how quick step handles this so terpster has made it pretty clear that he is on phenomenal form yeah and he's come out and said you know i'm riding great and as we, we indicated earlier, he's he's not always the greatest. He's not necessarily the greatest teammate is, is kind of the vibe I get. And I think um, drawing a blank here. Gilbert. Uh, Gilbert is targeting it as like his his a race. Are, are they going to be able to work cohesively as a team to to support Gilbert or is Terps are going to fly off solo with with 30k to go. Um, I, I think there's some potential for some inner team. Stebar, Stebar, uh, I think Stebar is a good teammate. I think he'll do what he can to support Gilbert. Um, I've been reading and and listening to some things, and there's several different prognosticators that don't think Gilbert is made for Rebay. Yeah. So that's exactly they think the downfall for a quick step could very well be that they're tying their eggs to. The wrong basket, sure. or putting them in the wrong basket, or what have I you. I can so. see that, and this is this is kind of their big last race for the team that they're they're built for. Um, yeah, they can do well at yeah they are. at the next set of classics, but this is kind of their their swan song. Of um, but yeah, I mean they they still they they've got a fantastic team. Any one of their guys could probably win it. 
Um, they're going to be the guys that are going to be dictating the light of everything. But uh, I always root for Seth Van Mark. I think I say that before every Classics race because I'd like to see the poor guy get a win because he always rides so hard and it's just always down on his luck, it seems. Hey, Garmin, though, or used to be Garmin, EF Education First, they, you know, this is not a bad race for them. and They've, they've won it before in the in the past. Um, who, who What was his name that won? Uh, now it's drawing a blank here. Just a few years ago <clears throat> with Garmin Sharp. I don't recall. Uh, 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 Van Summeren. Oh, yeah, Beyond yeah, yeah. Van yeah, okay. uh, Seb Van Mark was, what, third last year? Did he get third last year? I want to, th- I, I think he was. He got second a few years ago. Or second, you know, he's, he's done well for them. Um, so they're not, you know, they, they they're quality. They 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 can come up. So I, I I'm pulling for Seb Van Mark as well. Um, other than that, I mean, it, it's uh Taylor Finney riding for this race. Do you know? I think he's in there. He was at Flanders, so I would assume that he'd be in for for this one. Eh, can support we support guy? Can we say Finney is over? I think so. Yeah. Would uh, anybody else? I mean, his pedigree from his past uh, helps him out, but. Should he even have a contract? <laughs> Should he have a contract anymore? I was, I was thinking about that this morning because I'm like, he's like nowhere. The, be- the the place he is is on social media or someone's doing a video of him. He's making a joke. But I don't know. What's he done? He was supposed to be this big rider. And I know he had an injury, but come on. Valverde came back from his. That's he's true. winning still. He uh, he was eating some, some fries in. after Flanders. I That's saw true. a video of that. I mean, that. I cut the name in the press. So Yeah, I don't mean any ill will. I think we just have high expectations, and I'd like to see something from him. So maybe he's doing some support. You just don't notice. Right. He might be an, an early guy uh, getting a break or something like that. Um, I just know that uh, someone like him, if he's at least doing feeling well, he could he could at least play a part as a support rider for quite some time because he's done this. He didn't win this as a junior or under 23, I think. Yeah. So, um, But other than that, I think everybody else is – is peaking just right for the race. Everybody that wants to win it. Uh, Sagan's in great shape. Avermatt's in great shape. Um, Set Van Ark always seems to be in great shape. Is is Wout Van Aert racing this? I believe he is. is yeah, he, he was registered in there. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. Right? He's done some phenomenal early season. I mean, uh, classics for, what, 23 and right. the team he's on and coming off of his all the cyclocross stuff. Tish Benut is not. He's not. I think he's he's saving himself for the Ardennes, right? Yeah. And do you think we'll have a French winner? We've got no. Oliver Nason, maybe Arnold Demar. You know, two guys that possibly they haven't won for years. I don't think so. With the team that Quickstep has there, I don't think they're going to let it come to the velodrome with a sprinter. I, I just don't think it'll get there. It'll either be Terpster going off or it'll be Gilbert going off. But I don't think they're going to bring a uh, a Demar Degen Cold type group to the to the velodrome for a sprint finish um i think there's a greater chance for a dark horse winner again um i think matt Heyman snuck into that role a couple years ago yeah um i wouldn't overlook damien gaudin he's a i'm sorry who damien gaudin i believe he races for ag2r he's a french guy who could who could win uh, a great video to watch if you haven't seen it is his win i want to say two years ago or maybe last year at trobro leone I don't think I've ever seen a more excited win, um, but he's just a big guy, powerhouse guy. Does well in this type of race, so he's he's one to watch, and I think he'll be he'll be a good guy. So you've got the the, the thing that's interesting. You know, Degen Kolb is another one. That, you know, to bring up some other names. 
what you have said so interesting about Robay is the 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 mechanicals or the crashes that can take out a bunch of the superstars and leave it for a one-off, right? right? So you have sometimes you have all these big stars that make it through the finish and they're slogging it out and it's awesome. And then another time you have a guy that gets in a break and things just don't materialize. You know, it works. He has his amazing day, and you know the some of the other guys that could possibly bring him back, you know, are crashing out. So right. it's it makes for interesting. So yeah, and I think. Degenkolb is playing support this year. Um, at least that's the plan going in. I think it's it's everybody Stoyven. is on board for for Stoyven. Yeah. Um, obviously, things may happen in the race where where that changes. Um, but yeah, uh, from what I've read, Stoyven's the guy. Um, I believe the team's all riding on disc wheeled bikes, so that could be an interesting challenge in the event they run into mechanicals or flats. Yeah. Um, but Especially when you see out there, there's uh, random people. They'll have you know your mechanics at random spots and sectors, just holding wheels. Right. Um, you don't really have a follow that you normally would have. Yeah. So it's a different aspect there. So yeah, that'll be. And I was talking with um, Brian Zimney actually yesterday, just through uh, one of the social media platforms, and he Snapchat. was indicating, yeah, we we're sharing pictures. Uh, you know, I, I have zero experience with disc, none, not on a mountain bike, nothing. You're saying if. If the dish on the bike is off just a tiny bit, you're you're kind of out of luck. So if any of those guys are getting flats, they're going to have to to get a wheel from the car that's probably pre-selected for that bike. And the delay associated with that, I think, could be huge if it comes down to a, a real critical moment in the race for for one of their riders. So it's, yeah, it's a brave uh, approach to take. So the we'll move on here, but I'm just wondering, you know, that some of the aspects, the reasons why you use disc brakes. You know, inclement weather is is a great reason. I imagine you know mud and stuff in the the disc in the brakes, and if that's not an issue, why are you, why are you running those in Perry Bay for exactly the reason you're talking about? So many times you're going to have to have you know a mechanical. You're going to have to have a teammate drop back and give you a wheel or whatever. And maybe they've been practicing in the hotel rooms. Maybe, but at the same time, where in Rubey, are you needing to really have good brake modulation? Well, that's you know, I, yes. Other than looking to sell more bikes, because yeah, there you go. And you said it. Your guys are on the bike, so I think we can look at a few things. Uh, let's, any, um, I'm going to be interested in obviously the winners and losers of that. Uh, the weather is going to be a big deal. Um, who's going to crash? Who's going to have good luck? Some of the tactics. Yeah. Who's going to Who's going to run the tactics? That's really. Um, it depends if they can isolate quick step some of those other teams right. and see and any problems with pulling for the right guy, you know, and, and if you're lesser man, you know, we've seen that before. Uh, the guy, maybe the number two is up the road and do you, you know, let him go? Do you chase that down in, in those kind of tactics? And then who's going to win the masters, Chris? Who's going to win the masters? Yeah. I was going to say Jordan Spieth, but he just fell apart. Yeah. So um, I'm not sure. It's, it's kind of up in the air at this, at this point. So, uh, we'll we'll have to see how the next two days play out. Um, what do you think? Uh, I don't know. I need. To, I I was watching a little bit yesterday, and I saw Phil. Um, he was he was doing well, and then he playing in the pine straw, and it didn't work out so good. No, Ricky Fowler looked nice. I didn't even see who's who's leading after the Fleetwood or no. Oh my gosh, I forget his name. Australian guy, bigger fella. Hmm. Bleh. Okay. Um, we'll break down on that. Any any predictions? You want to pick one guy to to win the Perry Bay? Can I pick a couple of options? Yeah. So pick my brain tells Chris me, Coble. yeah, Chris Coble's going to win it. Uh, my brain tells me Sagan's going to win. Okay. Um, my my gut 
or my my feeling is I'd like to see um, Van Evermet win or Seth Van yes. Mark. And I would say a dark horse winner would be look to Jens Kukuleri of Lotto. No, oh, good call. How about yourself? Who do you got? Uh, I would really like Sepp Van Mark to win. I mean, that's kind of the connection with EF Education First, you know, yeah. American team. Um, Van Avermaet, I wouldn't mind seeing him. Do- or Sagan. It was interesting listening to, uh, who was I listening to? Maybe it was a recon ride, Villa News podcast. And they, <laughs> the breakdown there was Sagan, they don't think Sagan could win the, the Perry Robay because he and Kwiatkowski, you know, grew up racing in the um, Eastern Europe and they just didn't have the love for Perry Robay and the, the experience. I, I thought that was kind of stupid yeah. um, because one that they did hype was uh, um, Stebar. Right. And Steve, they even played an interview with Stebar and he said, oh, I didn't grow up knowing this race or even whatever, but I <laughs> I got to do it and uh, I ended up loving it. And now it's one of the big races I want to win in the year. So that I don't think you ever count um, Sagan out. No, you can't. And I think with, Bonin's comments and coming off Flanders, he's probably a little more amped up. Yeah. So, uh, Mark Leishman is the name I was thinking of for the Masters leader after two days. Okay. So. Gotcha. I wouldn't have picked him. I'm not picking him to win, though. Gotcha. Well, let's, let's, let's work our way onto NorCal and then um, see if we can get out of here for everybody. Uh, once again, who has more group rides going? How, how are those going for you? Did you Great. join in this last week? Great. I've been doing the uh, the Folsom-based Tuesday and Wednesday night ride. It's the exact same route both days, just kind of a different vibe on the different days. But it's uh, it's nice to have them again. And River Ride obviously going. Jason Griffith pointed out the River Ride does have a good website. You can uh, riverride.blogspot.com or something. I'm trying to remember right. exactly. That sounds right. Uh, but they do it's some interesting stuff about the history of the ride on there as well and their races and, the, and times and everything. So check and that out. I think out. they chronicle every... Uh, winner of the river ride world championship that takes place saturday after thanksgiving there you go so if you Josh want to know Wood, who won champion in 1997 that's the place to go 97 so go out and support your local group rides uh safely safely yeah uh we had copperopolis last weekend which as we kind of touted it was uh northern california's hell of the hell of the north our prairie bay and i saw some pictures from that and it looked like there was road grime all over these people yeah, like I, I tar, think it's I don't know. terrible road surface, and they try and just do a, a quick patch over it. I'm assuming the county does. Um, so the the road's got this nice, fresh, relatively speaking, fresh layer on it that just kicks up on everybody. It looks like it's tar or asphalt or, or something. It's gross. So it didn't disappoint. It's got the nasty roads. It had good weather, and we had some great winners. We had Team Mike's Bikes, once again, taking one, two, Stephen Vogel, Cameron Bronstein. Uh, we had... Data-driven athlete writer Stefan Creason, who we've chronicled a few times in our podcast. I'd go check that out. Taking a solo win in the E3 and our other teammate, Jeff Scott, um, getting third win in the field sprint there. Melanie Wong of Teams Mike's Bikes keeps her winning ways uh, in the women's field. And, of course, Chris Colville wins the Masters 35+. plus. He shows up. He wins. Yeah. No, that's a... That's impressive stuff. See, it's kind of like Chris Coble is the uh, the Peter Sagan of NorCal, and uh, Mike Spikes is the Quick Step of NorCal. Yeah, do you want to just go finish out the podiums on those ones? Yeah. So uh, in the P12, I think third place was Sam Boardman with um, Mark Pro. In the women's P12, Ellie Velez, no team, uh, second place. In third place, Megan Rubel of Cycle Sport, Muscle Milk Specialized. 
In 35-1-2-3, Rob Amatelli of uh, Team Mike's Bikes Masters got second. Uh, Josh DePiece of Touchstone Racing in at third. Impressive. Um, and then, as you indicated, uh, Stefan Creason and Jeff Scott of Data Driven went one and three in the in the Cat 3 race with Daniel Cobley of Big Orange taking second place. It was good to see a, a SoCal guy venture up and, and take on the, the hell of the north there. In the 45-1-2-3, Cameron Berkey of is it Race for a Reason, Race for Research. Yeah. And in second place, Troy Debert of North Star uh, out of Truckee. And then third place, Scott McLean of Thirsty Bear. So so well done to the groups there. So you talked to a few people and got some uh, input. Uh, you want to give us a breakdown of what you heard from any of those races? Yeah, so I, I mostly talked to, to guys that raced the Cat 3 race because with Stefan and Jeff having done well, I wanted to get a sense of how that shook out. And, you know, it, it sounded like a, a consistent theme for all fields ended up being a luck of the draw as it pertained to flats and mechanicals. Um, a lot of guys were, were taken out of the race with flats. If you looked at the quantity of DNFs, it's, it's, it's pretty significant. But in the Cat 3 race, um, you know, having talked to Stefan, it sounded like the group just kept together for four of the five laps. And then on lap five, Stefan just uh, made his move over the, the primary climb and, and got, it sounds like, five, ten minutes on the rest of the field to take the win. Um, Daniel Cobley was in between Stefan and the group, leaving Jeff in charge of uh, taking the field sprint. Um, from what I heard about the P12 race, there was an early break that Vogel was in with, um, I think, Sam Boardman and, um, boy, drawing a blank on all their names. But um, ultimately, Cam Bronstein, okay. he, he bridged across, um, I think, uh, oh, okay. with one or two laps to go and threw in a, an attack. Uh, Vogel went with, and that kind of created a new separation from the break. And those two just uh, rode off together. And based on the photos, they had a, a big enough gap where they could kind of uh, do the who's going to win, you, me, let's go across together type of win. So kind of hugged it out over the line. I think like. so, yeah. And um, not a lot of download on the women's P1-2 race, but it looked like Melanie had a, a pretty solo win there. So it's a great effort to ride away from everybody. And as far as Chris Colba goes, he is a uh, He's a champion. Uh, yeah, definitely. He... Um, it looked like he and Amatelli came to the line together with Cobble getting the jump and, and winning the field sprint, or not field sprint, but winning the, the two-up sprint there for the for the win. Yeah, impressive. And so, bar bat, red kite standings, um, you want to break those? Do you have those uh, accessible still? I do, I thought yeah. we'd go over some of those and kind of see, you know, the season's moved on. We're kind of in the middle, first, middle of the uh, first half of the season, so they're starting to take shape as far as who's winning what. And I thought we'd just at least give those people some credit and kind of see where the different riders are starting to add up and stand out and stack up. If you don't have it, we'll just... I do. Just uh, give me one second here. It's um, Okay. So we'll, we'll talk about me. that. We can dump on all those uh, people who hate their families by spending all their time training. No, no. We, we, we've got it up here. So oh, okay. we'll look at the bar, which is the individual riders. We'll go top five for, for a few categories here. So P12, fifth place, John Franz, Davis Bike Club. Fourth place, Jeff uh, Bashek from Davis Bike Club. Third place, Chris Reichert, Team Mike's Bikes. Second is Jason Hammond from Sun Power Racing. And uh, first place, Jeff Linder with Tarun Elite. He's got a, it's like an eight or 12 point lead over uh, Hammond and Reichert, who are tied at 61 points. He's been pretty consistent this he year. He has, yeah. 
Uh, women's P12, fifth place, Marissa Axel with JL Velo. Fourth place, Shelby Trammell with Cycle Sport. Third place, Hannah Mug with uh, DNA Cycling. Second place, Ali Velez, no team. Uh, first place, Melanie Wong, who's been really consistent. Mm. Uh, team Mike Spikes, she's got looks like a 28-point lead over Ellie. That's pretty impressive, Ellie sandwiched in between those two riders. Yeah, no, she's been riding really well. She hasn't been uh, riding very long either, just the last few years that I know of. That sounds about right, yeah. Uh, Cat 3 in fifth place, Morgan Cole with Sun Power Racing. Fourth place, Brian Kellison, Penn Velo. Third place, Jeff Scott, data-driven athlete. Second place, Stefan Creason, data-driven athlete. And first place is Yatwa Mitchell, uh, no team. So I know both Stefan and Yatwa recently upgraded to the uh, Cat 2 rank, so they'll be cold from those point tallies, I think, in the future. Do they get pulled, or do they just kind of stay there? And you I think they win? just they stagnate, and in all likelihood, the Yeah, you're guys not going to add more, more, so Jeff Scott may move, be able to move up before he upgrades. We sure hope so. 35-1-2-3, Chris Ott with Pete's, Michael Claudio with Thirsty Bear, Jeremy Cottle with Touchstone, James Enright with uh, Tarun Elite, and surprisingly, Chris Coble um, with Olympic Club. He's got a 16-point lead over James Enright. So well how, how are we doing in there? Are we in the... Uh, no, I th- don't go that deep. Let's yeah. go Let's go to the, the bat that's the team then, right? Yeah, yeah. So bat is best... Or did you finish those out? I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. So team, uh, P1-2 men's. Uh, Davis Bike Club third, Mike's Bike second, Tarun Elite first with a, a, a big lead over Team Mike's Bikes. I think Mike's Bikes is just kind of dipping their toe into some of the NorCal races. So And gravel grinders. And that as well. Women's P12, uh, Jack Roo is in third, JL Velo second, Team Mike's Bikes first. Uh, men's Cat 3, Team Mike's Bikes de- development team is third, Penn Velo second, Sun Power first. And in the 35s, we've got a Thirsty Bear third, Mike Spikes Master second, Pete's Coffee first. Yeah, so. impressive stuff. We need to talk to Pete still. We do. We need to talk to Tarun. We need to talk to a bunch of different teams. Touchstone. Touchstone. So we should be reaching out to those or they could be reaching out to us. I know we, hey, Zimni, we've been trying to get you on the show. So if you don't want to show up, maybe we bring someone else. We in. should offer to go to Zimni. At his work. <laughs> just sit around his desk and, and ask him questions while he works. We can stalk him and just catch him on the bike trail. That's true. Cal Erdman could come with us. <laughs> All right. The uh, upcoming races, we have some. Did you want to do Red Kite? You talked about that before. You said it was blocked from work, so you didn't want to. I didn't pull it up. Okay. We know Travis Retzer, our teammate, was leading the 35s for the Red Kite. Let's not advertise that, though. Then guys are going to target him and chase him well, down. Well, it's kind of hard to not, if they look at it. Okay. It's, I don't know. But yeah, he's he's in the lead in the 35s. And with that said, uh, any Red Kite Omnium races coming up? Well, there are. Let's talk about oh. that. So you have Winchester. We talked about this before. But we have Winchester on Saturday and then uh, the Auburn Crit on Sunday. So those two, I believe, they're, they're smashing them together as an Omnium. Two different teams are putting those together, but Red Kite's kind of overseeing both. So they're rolled into the Red Kite Omnium themselves. Oh, oh that's what yeah. that means. Yep. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's not an Omnium weekend. No, no, no. So no, it's, it's rolled better. into the bigger Omnium. So, you know, if you are chasing Red Kite points, these are, are two really good events to, to gotcha. try to make your way out to. So you had a conversation with the Red Kite guy. Is that correct? About I did, yeah. The, the women's that we had talked about last week? Oh, no, not Red Kite. No. It oh, was with um, the host team, Victory Velo. Oh, okay, Victory Velo. Gotcha. So they 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 brought the race back last year. I think was they, yes, they had a, they'd been gone for a year or two. They had a short lull, so they they brought the race back last year, and they're trying to grow it into a big event. And it, it sounds like there was just four women racers in the P one two. I and believe that's correct. So with that race going up against Michelob's, um, 
the Michelob Ultra Sequoia Cycling Classic in Visalia the same day, which is a big money race, part of the American race calendar. It's, I think they're struggling to, to you know, create a field that's not going to have any turnout is, is what it sounds like. So, I mean, it's, it's a, I think, the right decision to, to kind of keep the race going and keep the flow going and, and grow interest from the local businesses that are kind of having to shutter their doors for the day. So it's, it's a tough call, but I think it's probably the right call for them. Yeah, it's it sucks. I don't know if uh, what you can do. You know, it, it, there's two things there. One is um, the women want, uh, you know, prize money. They want a, a race. The but yeah, you got to be able to have them show up. Right. So there, it's a it's a, a chicken and egg, or you know, <laughs> chasing your tail, or something yeah. around there. Because you you want to be able to okay, we they can't show up if there's no race. Yeah. But then if they're not showing up and there is a race, then it's just it it's kind of a sucky thing for the promoter. So I get it right. both ways. Yeah. And it's a, it's a fantastic venue. It's a fantastic setting. It's in old town Auburn and it's one where it's definitely has the potential to grow into a really spectator friendly event. And, um, it's, it's got some technical descents. It's got some punchy climbs and it's, it's one, I think it's difficult to, to host a race for 60 minutes and have three people on the course yeah i was there last year and it was even the the masters 35 was a little waning on numbers uh were there at least 10 did you finish in the top 10 i i got i think i got sixth okay so there was at least six of us (laughs) (laughs) no but there was i don't know 20 some but uh i saw the women's and it was it was a little little lackluster so that's too bad yeah, but no, other than that, I mean, like I said, it's a fantastic event. People should come out to it. Same with Winchester. If you want a, a really unique race, Winchester is a really great one. Five minutes of climbing and then some flats and a crazy fun descent on closed roads. Good time. Yeah, good time. Uh, then you mentioned the Michelob Ultra Sequoia Cycling Classic in Visalia. I've, I'm actually going to be talking to the promoter, Sean Bagley. We're going to try to post something out before the race so you get a little in, info on that i really wish i this weren't conflicting with the auburn crit and winchester weekend because i would love to do visalia i i did that back in the 90s oh. uh in collegiately and then on the uh the wyoming pro team and um a lot of fun and uh, a lot of good money down there i mean who doesn't want a guitar well guitar and like i said it's it's got a big payout this year so yeah. both men and women are i think four thousand dollar prize money each paying 10 deep so uh should be a pretty good uh, good field showing up to race. And you can't look. If, so if women are complaining about not having a race at Auburn, I get that, but they can go down and do that race. So it's not like there's not a race on the calendar that's nearby that they can do that day. Still, right. And I don't think anybody was complaining about Auburn. It was just in our last show. I think we noticed that it was absent. No, I, so I agree. But if they were to, yeah. Uh, and then actually the day before that, you have the uh, Kingsburg crit uh, the day before. So. Uh, the Sequoia, the Visalia one is the Sunday, the 15th, and then you have the Saturday, the day before um, the 14th. You didn't know anything about that one? I, it's kind of nearby that. I've been to Kings Kingsburg once. Um, cool little town. It looks like it's a, it's a fun crit. The prize money pays, I think, relatively deep, and it's an interesting approach where they're doing kind of an escalating prize money based on um, racer turnout. So the more folks that come, the more money you can get. Any racers, pins, uh, stickers given out as prizes that I we don't have think so, no. promoted? Okay. That's Pinwheels? Pin, yeah. Put them on the bike? A, that's a different uh, thread that we have. Uh, and then we have coming up, uh, just name a few little items here, uh, Sea Otter. Um, and I guess it's not just for mountain bikes anymore. They have, uh, or is it? 
I think it is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, never mind. I that think one. that's the primary interest. Yeah. All right. We'll skip that. Uh, Red Kite, number seven, on April 22nd. Uh, Mike Spikes Cats Hill Crit on the 28th. I am planning on doing that. Uh, Wente Road Race the day after on the 29th. And Salinas Crit the 29th as well. Any interest in any of those for you? Uh, the ones you just ran through there? I'd like to do Cats Hill. Um, that's a great storied race, and I've never made it down there to, to participate. So it's uh, it's one I'd like to do. Um, Not too far from where you uh, grew up, so yeah, it's just over the hill from the the Monterey Bay area, so it'll be halfway home. Yeah, no, I, I love that race, and I, I will do my best to get there. Collegiate Nats coming up for those collegiate riders in May, and then we have the Golden State Race Series. That's um, a fun one. I enjoy that. Yes, one. so we'll, we'll, we're going to try to talk to some uh, promoters for that as well to get some interest. So, any big winners on the NorCal thing that you've had uh, the last few weeks? The last, I guess, just Copperopolis, Mike's. Clearly, yeah. I kind of jokingly refer to them here as Mike Step, <laughs> kind of a play on Quick Step. I mean, they're 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 proving to be the powerhouse right now, by far and away. I'm going to take the Homer route and go with uh, Stefan Creason winning the Cat Three by a dominating fashion. Uh, I think was it you that Chris that talked to um, Crichton. I did, yeah. His dad or something like yeah, that I about ran the into race. Them on the uh, on the bike trail. And what did, what did he say about that? Yeah, uh, he was pretty impressed. Um, uh, Creighton's dad. He he was in the wheel car following. He's like, oh, saw Stefan's move. I was like, I, I should probably follow him because it looks like he's going to have a, a sizable gap. And if he were to get a flat, that would just be terrible. How far did he go from the finish? Do you know? I don't know. I don't know the course very well, but it sounds like he made his move kind of on on the climb, wherever that is. Okay. Either way, it just looked like he had posted up solo. There's no one in view. He had a dominating uh, race, and with, you know that's that's the way you do it, right? You you want to I want to upgrade. You don't just get the last points available. He like crushed it in a really tough race. Right. Way to go out in style. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Any losers? I'm going to go with um, everybody that signed up for Turlock. Oh, that yeah, race got canceled that. because of just terribly low uh, pre-reg numbers. It, it's tough for a promoter to put on a race when you, you don't know who's coming out. And it looked like the 45-plus field had a pretty sizable turnout with 20-plus guys registered and we're sitting outside right now. I'm in shorts and flip-flops, so the weather shouldn't have been that big of a deterrent for guys making the decision whether they should or shouldn't race. So That's it's, it's second. I mean, the Madeira stage race got canceled kind of yep. in that same valley area, and, you know, bummer. I mean, I, what are you going to do? It sucks for a promoter and people that are putting the race on and, right. and racers that did sign up for it. And I, I can't really be that upset at people that didn't sign up because I didn't sign up either. No, and that's a pretty good race, actually. I just don't like the drive out and because I've done it with uh, when we had that uh, districts a few years ago. It's pretty good. Pretty good race. Uh, any losers for me? That's, I don't, that's you. I, I just did mine. Uh, I don't even have it. Let's, let's be positive today. <laughs> uh, that's not fair. No. I, I, all those that... Uh, any, oh, no. I, I'm going to pick one. And it's not him. It's just a situation... I saw a picture of Larry Nolan, who we talked to. Ooh. I think his bike or the wheel was definitely just destroyed in uh, Copperopolis. So they never like to see that. He's not a loser, but it's a loser situation. So that looked, I mean, on the positive side, he was in the back of a truck with a smile. So it looks like he went uninjured, which is, you know, yes. a good thing. Yes. Uh, so, Chris, before we finish, what's the most bikey thing you're going to do for the rest of the day or the weekend? The most bikey thing? I'm going to try and. Uh, take care of a little bit of the preload on the hub bearings oh, on my you. rear wheel. Okay. I thought because you were going down they got a little bit of a, a rattle going right now and I'd like to tighten that up because um, 
it's obnoxious as all get up. How's your fitness panning towards for next weekend? Are you are you looking good or is it no. is it okay? No, no. Like if the if we could eliminate the climbs at Winchester, I think I'd be in great shape. If there was just a flat section and a descent, and we could take some kind of tram up the climb, <laughs> I, don't think I would be bike. good. That's called the downhill. <laughs> oh, okay. I need to look into a different sport then. No, uh, the you, weather's you been kind of the roguelish route and start there we jumping. Go. Uh, my the, the weather's been kind of keeping me off the bike a little bit, where it's roller coaster fitness right yeah. now. Um, I had planned to do a, a really good ride today, but I woke up and the roads were wet, and I kind of wimped out. So, how about yourself? You your skirt up? your skirt blew up in front of your face. It did. Uh, yeah. So it's it's interesting. I watched this. I, I'm sure you've heard of the vegan cyclist guy. He posted some things on. He yeah. just talked about doing this. His fitness. He's been progressing it up and up and he did a 20 minute ftp test he weighs about the same as i did and he was able to do like 360 370 for like 20 minutes of this climb yeah and he's talked about how he's increased that you know drastically in the last three or four months and i'm thinking to myself i i'm just trying to maintain i look on my um not my ftp i don't even know what that is anymore but uh, cto i think yeah and it's i'm I'm like anywhere between (laughs) 50 and 60 just trying to maintain, you know, like hold. I'm one of those people that are hanging off the edge of a building by my fingertips, and that's just how my racing and, and training has gone all season. That's a my T band. It's just time. I mean, you know, I help coach volleyball for my kids, and you know, we do this podcast, and got a family, and I, well, anyway, good for good for him for Tyler Pierce for for having a good uh, FTP and, and doing some good numbers. But yeah, that's it's impressive. it's a struggle. The struggle's real out here. It is. Um I know we did Winchester last year, and I think we ended up in a uh, off-the-back team time trial. So yeah. let's try and avoid that this year. Well, I ended up with you guys. Was it with you and Kurt? And yeah. Me? I was in a different group. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I got you or you got me. I think you started five minutes ahead of us. Oh, that I don't think that's true. <laughs> Maybe 10. I don't think that's true. Okay. I don't know what it is. Uh, I ended up pretty good up there because we didn't have a lot of riders. <laughs> That's always a silver lining. Yeah. You know, that's why it's great when you're ride tuttle. Then you just, I was like, hey, sixth place. I was right there. No, literally, I'm going to say this real quick. So there was, I think, maybe 12 in our group. Okay. And at, when there's that few people and one or two guys kind of like starts to jump and then another one jumps to bridge. At some point, you're no longer the field. You're the, you're dropped just by right. people breaking away from you. Yeah. And that's what happened. And I was, there was six of us and um, we tore off from everyone else and we never saw them again but um at some point it was like two left show to go i i couldn't maintain the pace of dan bryant and whoever else was up there so it's interesting when it's it's it can be almost worse when you have a small field definitely definitely nowhere to hide yeah uh would it be poor form if i just went up and played golf instead <laughs> have, you, have you played that golf course i haven't I have played there several times. I really love it. A lot of elevation changes. Right. I even shot well there once, losing like 10 golf balls. Wow. Just because, I don't know. I had a good day, but yet I didn't. I was going for everything, you know. Yeah. So, no, it's a fun course. Check it out. All right. Anything else for you? Uh, that's it for me. Um, yeah, just uh, looking forward to the, the Auburn-Winchester duo. It's it's a cool location, cool races. So. Right. Should be fun. Yeah, it should be. So enjoy uh, everyone. You know, go out and support some local races if you can. I, I told you, I did that was, both of those races last year simply with bad fitness, simply so I could be a part of supporting them because I wanted to do them someday when I do have good fitness next and year. Maybe next year. Yeah. All right, that's it for F- episode fifty-one. If you want to get in touch with us and be notified of our podcast or whatever you have in mind, you can find us on Twitter, uh, the B at B two, the number two W underscore podcast. Same with Instagram, Facebook is between two wheels, uh, the number two wheels, 
and our email admin at between two wheels.com. Anything else for you, Chris? I've got nothing. Uh, just um, enjoy the weekend. Hopefully that's the end of our reign. Yeah. Thanks for showing up. Hope you enjoyed your tacos. I did. They were delicious. All right. Delicious. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Oh!